Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Hi, welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast. It's me, Melanie Dawn, and I have a former student of mine. I met through, uh, she took one of my trainings, my Nidra trainings, and her name is Donna Zimmer. She is, uh, I have to say, like, mind-blowing at how quickly because Donna when you took the Nija training which was just like a year ago you were still in your 200 hour right now I see you out there you have it feels like thousands of classes going on (laughs) workshops galore it just feels like you have waited your whole life to become this and um, I think it takes a lot of courage a lot of guts and I also know that you have a pretty windy road to get to where you are. And I, I really think that people would be so interested to hear it. Cause I know when you told me bits and pieces of your story, I was like, what? <laughs> it's, it's truly mind boggling that you can sit here. And also Donna is, how old are you, Donna? If, if you don't mind me asking. I was 51 in October. 51 and she looks 35. So we need all your secrets. <laughs> I, I knew you just had a birthday and that it was like, uh, you know, I knew you were in like the fifties and I was like, there's just no way. There's just no way. So you. whatever Thank you're you doing, we want to know. <laughs> uh, I'll well, let I'm you introduce say... yourself too a little bit. If okay. you'd like. So my name is Donna Zimmer. And I've got really good genes. And I have to say that my grandma just passed at 102 and a half and she didn't look a day over 85. So um, good genes. And really, I think I've shared some old pictures with you. So pictures of me from just 10 years ago, it's not the same person that 40 something year old felt and looked 80. Yeah. (laughs) Felt 80, (laughs) did not look 35. That's for sure. So um, yeah. I like to say I owe it all to yoga and, but it's more than that. Yeah. People ask me, what's the one thing? There's not one thing. There's a million little things that you have to build up every day. Just that first step is the, you know, the big thing. Um, yeah. But my story is, you know, at 40, I could barely walk. Wow. Um, diagnosed with CPTSD for the first time. I knew I'd I knew I'd struggled my whole life. I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, Fibromyalgia, psoriatic arthritis. So at 40, my kids were moving out um, and I couldn't drive. I couldn't really leave my living room. I assumed my life was over. It was a a dark time. I'm just now starting to come to the terms of being able to say that, you know, it was the darkest of times where I thought of self-harm and Mm-hmm. you know, things like that. It, it it was hard. Younger husband. So I thought, you know, my kids have moved on. He was going to move on for sure. Um, he's still here. <laughs> my biggest cheerleader. Um, yeah. And things were dark and I didn't, you know, gaining weight, being at home, just growing that shell, not letting anybody in. And, and it's funny, my sister got into yoga down in Houston and she said, you've got to try it. Oh my God, never. I grew up in Texas. So I had a pretty strong paradigm around, you know, yogis and all those hippie things that they do. And, you know, plus I didn't have the body for it. I didn't have a yoga body. How could I do yoga? Right. That was the, that was the idea. 
Um, and then a good friend said, you should come to come to this class with me. And I dipped my toe in, into fitness just by walking, standing up in front of my couch and walking in place. That's where it started. Oh, really? Yeah, literally during Dr. Phil. I just, you know, like <laughs> it switched when one of my traditional doctors said, you know, you'd feel better if you lost a little weight. Mm-hmm. And all the way home to High River, that so-and-so, rah, 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 how dare she? Mm. And then I let that marinate. And I did. I started to move a little. And a little bit of weight came off. And I felt a little better. And then the day came when I realized, you know, it hurts to sit on the couch. It hurts to move. I'm going to just move a little and see what happens. Still nothing. Just the surface. Very yeah. surface. But, I, you know, I started traditional therapy and I've done a lot of intense therapies for the trauma and whatnot. And they were doing something, but it really wasn't until I kind of gave myself to yoga. Mm-hmm. So the first year of yoga was not giving myself to yoga. The first year of yoga was resisting. Yeah. Every class that was quiet. I just thought of everything else other than what was really coming up. The darkness, mm-hmm. you know, the avoidance, what we all do. Cried at almost every first yoga class. Once we got into Shavasana, it had to be quiet. Yeah. But this is bullshit. Excuse my language. But, yeah. you know, I'm not paying for somebody to make me cry. I'm here to stretch and, you know, I'm not here to find myself. Get over it. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, but whether I liked it or not, I did. Yeah, you still kept coming back. I kept going and I kept going. I had the opportunity to work um, uh, as on the karma crew at Simply Yoga. So free yoga, because at the time I was struggling financially. This was just a few years ago. And I knew I couldn't afford yoga in my mind. And they have this program, you clean the, clean the studio, yoga for free. And I went every day. Mm. I knew I had to get, get, you know, and I had classes I liked. I didn't like, of course, that's where I met. Megan Fettis, who became my yoga teacher and mentor. Um, but we we didn't talk for years until she popped up again when I thought, I wonder if I need to know more about yoga. Yeah. The real transformation, and I think, you know, what your listeners might want to hear was really your yoga nidra. Mm. The time Meg brought you in to our training, and I didn't know what it was. I'd been to nidras before, but I fell asleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because it's a I good sleep ready. practice for I some. I wasn't yeah. ready for it. I didn't even know what it was. I'm like, oh my God, we're just laying here. <sighs> time for this. I had the same thoughts. Yeah, I don't, I don't have time for this. I came for a workout. And that's, you know, and then once your mind starts to shift a little bit and you realize there's more than just um, you know, asana and, and your eyes starts to open to yoga and what it really is, it's hard to close them again, right? Yeah. So but it was that day, that Nidra, that Phoenix Nidra. I didn't mm. know what to expect. My dad had just passed. And oh, I'm not going to get emotional, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, I say in my trainings now, you, you don't know what you're going to get from Nidra. You might mm-hmm. get a good sleep. But you might change your life. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere maybe in between, you know, you get what you need from it. And I did not know. Because I did. I had the thought, oh, God, I don't want to listen to somebody else. I want to listen to Megan. I want to practice teach. Great. I want to do whatever we were going to do. She's What's this, this lady this, doing here? <laughs> who's this lady? I don't, I've seen her face. She's obviously, she's, you know, very popular and, and way out of my reach. Definitely. I, I, you know, have seen you on a pedestal for a long time. And 
I don't know, in my growth, it's just everybody who is on a pedestal. We all just keep kind of leveling and I realize we're all just the same. And that's another thing I think that Nidra has given me is that grace. Yeah. And hearing you say that, it makes so much sense for the courage that you have to do the things that you do and how you just like dove face first into everything is that you don't see it as unattainable. You don't see it as this person can do it because they're that. It's like, yeah, we're all here. I love that. I think so many people hold their teachers who are human beings so far out of reach that they can never even, you know, whether their teachers amassed a claim or whatever, they can never touch it because that's always the ceiling. And mm-hmm. I love that you've leveled it. But that that's been reset, you know, like that's been and and that's not every day. The imposter syndrome, can I do it? You know, but I'm noticing that that goes away more and more that I'm it's not fear. I'm trying to notice that I'm just feeling stimulated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always fear, maybe. And that's, you know, I'm going to cry. I know I'm going to cry. That's, yeah. I really owe it to Nidra and to you. Like that, all my years of therapy, all my years of talking it out with friends, writing in journals, whatever it was, no one brought that to me that my core issue was that I didn't feel safe. Mm. So finally, Saying it a few times, I am safe. I kind of said it. I kind of said when I finally believed it and knew it was to be true was when my life changed. Yeah. And when you can see it and go logically, okay, I'm in my home. Like the periphery uh, system is always picking up what, what it perceives as a past experience. And when you can go through the process of I am safe, I'm here. None of this is happening in this present moment. And like I always say that yoga nidra is the t- the kind that I teach is not trauma informed. And so then when you told me that you had this acute PTSD, I was, I'm not, I was not afraid of it, but I was so curious how you were going to experience it and your bravery, knowing that, because I don't hide that fact from anyone. I'm like, this is, but before you, that you day, are going in. if somebody had said, okay, this is what's about to happen tomorrow morning at 930, mm-hmm. I would have made every effort not to go, made every excuse. Before we started, I would have, you know, checking my watch. Oh my God, heart rate's up to 120 again because somebody's going to talk to me. You know, the the <laughs> flight or fight was so strong in me. It could be yeah. anything. Mm. Um, and that's just the, I am safe in those moments, in those moments where, I don't, so many times it's hard to even bring up the examples, but I used to be very reactive, lots of language, lots of anger. Me too. I have yeah. a very recent story to tie it in. Um, when it was mm-hmm. minus 30, I went out to my car to teach a class at night, very dark, cold, two flat tires. No way. And I looked at the car and shoulder slump and I thought, okay, we're, we can deal with this. Go back inside. And as I walked inside, the it's all going to be fine. Yeah. And that moment of you're safe. Everyone's going to understand if you don't teach, but you know what? Not only are you safe, but look what you have. You have this warm home you're going to walk into. Mm. The loving husband, a second vehicle out and back. Yeah. You can load everything up. You're going to go 
where a few years ago, I would have sworn a blue streak, said effort to this class, canceled the class, went in, probably started a fight with my husband, right. Jack, because I was pissed off, whatever, yeah. starting the fight and where <sighs> the breath, mm-hmm. it's all good. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to work out how it is. You know, just these little moments of being able to control myself. Yeah. If you, you even can control see. it. Yeah. That's a, your story and the anger and like the, um, I guess like pushing it out is my story too. I was extremely reactive, extremely angry. And then once you can put space between what's going on, cause it, it just comes through as so much sensation, right? Like, and you, you don't, you can't filter it without the lens of being able to see yourself. And I just, no one ever showed you how to deal with it. We're we're actually trained to distract ourselves. We're actually trained to keep pouring more water into the already full cup instead of going, what is it that I'm feeling? And that to be able to dissect those emotions. And that's where I think Nidra teaches you how to sink into the, the land of the witness, which is just perception. How am I perceiving this right now? What am I operating from? It changes a lot. And and being okay when you start to see. It's hard hard to look at yourself and, you know, and say I was was wrong. (laughs) Now it's, it's, it's easier. And it's, I mean, our, the relationship with my husband has, changed and grown we've been together 20 years this year um the change and the growth in this past year has been exponential now I'm not saying we do Nidra every night he's you know he's he loves everything I'm doing I'm just the right amount of woo-woo for him right now yeah you know I think (laughs) I think you know and he's interested in everything but he's he can see the difference he can see that I can sit back and take a breath now where I never thought to take a breath before I've held my breath for for 49 years, 50 years. Right. When reactions have kept you safe your whole life, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's those reactions that you've programmed that actually served a purpose in your wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and they did whatever they were up until that time. But Wow, giving in to them, giving mm. in and and knowing, you know, you're safe. Five-year-old you wasn't safe, but you right. are. Yeah. You know, working on that, uh, you know, that deep work right now, mm-hmm. the generational and, work. And it's, that's like, ooh. yeah. And so you just were telling me that you are going to start. Oh, my gosh, my throat chakra, Donna. <laughs> I also want to do this. So Donna and I were talking uh, quickly before and she's starting to pen together a proposal to write her story. And uh, one of the things she said is another one of my um, crosses to bear as well. Something that I have to jump over is that our truth is not just our truth. It incorporates everybody around us and it can kind of seize up your voice a little bit. So tell me about being able to free your voice and finding the courage to talk about what happened and tell us a little bit about what did happen with you when you were younger, if you feel safe enough to do so. Um, I'm definitely. So, 
here? Um, so complex PTSD. Um, yeah, it's complex. It's onions. It's an onion girl. Layers, layers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was sexual abuse when mm-hmm. I was five years old. And that was hard. But the hardest thing about that was when I finally spoke my truth. It wasn't hurt. Oh, it was, um, it wasn't full on victim shaming, but it was just, well, that was a long time ago and he was hurt too. So, you know, that's just how it happens. And it's a long time ago and you should be fine. So that was something I carried a long time. And then when I was 15, um, a, a massive event happened. So yeah. my parents got divorced, it was, you know, the mid eighties. And, um, my mom married our next door neighbor of 10 years. Um, and I didn't like that so much at 15. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm moving in with my dad. So my dad moved back to Texas from Canada to make this happen. Um, and in that time, my stepdad, so in the state of Texas, as a step parent, you have full rights over your stepchildren. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, um, was a couple weeks into 11th grade, they checked me out of school and they committed me to a state mental hospital because I wanted to move in with my dad. Yeah. And the reason they said was because she was doing drugs and out of control, which was very popular at this time in the eighties. Um, anytime a kid did anything in the suburbs where I lived in Houston, you got sent off. I can't control you. So it was a very popular thing. They chose um, a state hospital, which was much different than a, you know, a private clinic where all the suburb kids went. And it was almost a click. Uh, mm. I was sent somewhere where I was the only uh, white person mm. in, in the facility. And to say I wasn't treated very well would be an understatement. I mean, it was really, it was really tough. And now looking back, I can see it. Like I must have looked like this just little idiot, teeny bopper, white privileged girl from the suburbs who's been doing drugs. And I hadn't even but smoked a cigarette at that point. So oh, there were wow. drugs. <laughs> there was not there were drugs after that. Yeah. <laughs> um drugs to cope for sure. Yeah. Up until that point, nothing. So that was tough. Lots happened there. Um I think for the first time, my heart's racing because the only time I've really ever shared this was with our Nitra group. Yeah. And, and, and really saying it out loud to you guys was the, was one of the catalysts for me to break through wow. like the, you know, that chakra just broke right open that day. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what are they going to think of me? What are they oh. going to think when they know this happened to me? And that my whole life, that's what I thought, like, what are people going to think of me? that I was tortured and raped, yeah. you know, what are, what are people going to think of me? So now I know that they're going to think, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know when I've told little bits of my story over the years, you should write a book. I mean, if I had, I could have already been, you know, a author, you know, the money <laughs> over and over for the times people say you should write a book. So my dad did get custody of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a while. So I was in there on my 16th birthday. So I, he got custody of me. We lived in a car for a while because he borrowed enough money to get a lawyer and get custody. And we, we didn't have much. So we lived in a car. Wow. And then he met a woman and we ended up, you know, dad was a bit of a playboy, a bit of a player. Yeah. Um, 
narcissist, you know, but a good looking man, salesman. So he knew how to just make things happen. So we had a nice place to live and we ended up living in a nice place and no one ever spoke of it again. No one ever spoke of it again. So that creates an inner shame. Yeah. So more to the, oh my God, what are people going to think when they find out I was in the nut house? They even took away my driver's license because my stepdad said, oh, she was, you know, she's, she was institutionalized. She should have her license. So I had my license taken. And in Texas, it's a big deal. You, when you turn 16, you get your license. Yeah. You know, that's, that's independence. That's everything. So then it was taken away. Mm-hmm. Go back to that place and get a letter. You remember the Simpsons episode where he had the insane, not insane stamp yeah. on his hand? Yeah. I had to go get the not insane stamp oh, to wow. say I could drive and, yeah. So, and then that was it. I lived with my dad and yeah, he took off to work. So at about 16, 17, I kind of had my own apartment, had a car to drive and dad just, you know, I took care of him and he did his own thing. And I, you know, I raised myself the best I could from there and not surprisingly moved away as far as I could to Canada Yeah, <laughs> um, where I had some family and, you know, pretty much found always finding a way to fill the hole in the soul I don't know one therapist said that to me once and boy it stuck with me if it wasn't drugs it was men and sex and food you know I was you know I used to weigh 250 pounds and no way you know yeah yeah that was the yeah so alcohol at any given time it was something yeah some was that Were you at that weight when you were 40 and starting to say like, no, but it it was creeping back up. Okay. No, that, that all dropped when my, you know, ex-husband left me with two kids and. Oh, wow. Man. My daughter was two and my son was almost four. So, you know, and that was the, I was, I was pretty big then. Yeah. My kids right after each other, 50 pounds, 50 pounds. So, you know, hundred pounds on and and before you knew what happened like energetics wise too, when you're pulled uh, back into normalcy, right? Like, okay, everything's fixed. Now everything's fine. And we don't talk about it. That then gets pushed to the darkest part of your energetic biography. And the body has no way but to grow in size or to shrink. So there's two different expressions of it. There's to grow in size, to hold it, or to shrink, to disappear, to not be seen with it. So there, there's a couple of different ways mm-hmm. it can go. And then how, like uh, what we work with in Yoga Nidra, what Dawn is talking about when she keeps saying, I am safe, is her Sankalpa, which is this um, empowering belief that overrides a limiting belief that's stored as a child. And if you're listening, you can hear through Donna's story that at every turn, it was proven to her that she was not safe, right? Like even after you were safe, your dad with well-meanings and tensions goes to work. It's still that I'm not cared for. I'm not safe, right? Like, and that is externalized, this uh, uh, magnet, we call it that electromagnetic current of I am not safe, holds in every experience in order to validate and reinforce that belief. So even marrying the man who would leave you with two kids, you know, and as that 
um, and even marrying men who are tolerant. And then we become reactive towards them to see how far we can push them before they finally express. I can't believe I didn't push my poor husband away. I mean, I tried every turn. I'm testing you. How much do you love me? How much are you going to take before you finally, you know, finally leave? Because you will. Yeah. I just, it just is going to be a matter of how much of me will you take the real me. Yeah. But stripping down what is the real me, that's been the real eye opener, to be honest with you, because the shell, whether it was a weight shell, the protection I needed was always being a bitch. Yeah. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you get know, me. I'm a Scorpio. Get you. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're not the boss of me. You know, I'll hurt you before you hurt me. Just that. You know, and I embraced it. Yeah, I'm a bitch. Yeah, I get things done. Yeah, my kids listen yeah. to me. And, I, and to me, it was a badge of honor. And I had, you know, right. and then I realized kind of scraping down. That, that we're really soft. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. nice. People like me, Mel. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not this thing that I made myself to be for protection, really. And to keep people away because they'd leave. They weren't safe. And even the weight, you know, when I got pregnant, I quit smoking. Um, I had been smoking pot at that time. So I quit smoking pot, didn't drink. I had nothing. I had, Mm. I had nothing. So then it became food a hundred percent. There was nothing else. Food is the one addiction. You can't go cold Turkey. Yeah. And, it's socially accepted everywhere. So there's right. no real shame attached to it. There is, but it's not a like it's not in your face like it is with drugs or even alcohol. But it was a control thing for me too. Yeah. I'd been on a diet since I was eight years old. Oh. My my love was always conditional. And it wasn't yeah. and it was mostly about looks and weight. I, I mean, I've shared my dad is a, a textbook narcissist. So how we looked was a direct reflection on him. Mm. So, and to look back at me at eight years old on my first diet, not heavy, not fat. Mm. I would fit. I played sports. I was on the swim team. Like I, you know, I was today, I'd be a fit, sporty eight-year-old, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but no, then I, I don't remember drinking water. I drank tab. I was on the diets, you know, when lean cuisine came out, that was all, you know, that was my mom bought those for me. And that's what I would eat when everybody else had regular food. It was, it was, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. Hey, the diet culture in the eighties was no joke. No, I know my mom was was no joke. Like my mom struggled and I, and I just want to throw it out there. There's always been a lot of anger, a lot of how could you do this to me? But I'm really learning, really working through that generational trauma to give them the love and grace and to see mm-hmm. them as girls too, to see them as the, you know, them just trying to survive them protecting yeah. themselves with whatever, you know, tools messed up as they were that they had learned. And even you know, like, I don't know about your mom's looks, but you said your dad had, was very handsome and that's how he got far in life is that he's trying to equip you with his own survival skills, right? The, and your mom as well. Mm-hmm. And, the, and there was a whole time as a teenager where I tried to look as, you know, ugly as possible. You know, I went all through that phase and it was pre-goth. I don't know, we called it new wave or punk. You know, I wore like white makeup with baby powder for powder and, you know, red or black lipstick. Just try to look as, you know, just really another layer of protection. Yeah. You know, I'm just 
like just needing whatever layer at any given time it was something. So it's not um, you. Just not me. Yeah. You know, working on working through everything. You know, you know, I'm doing the deep dive with our lovely friend Shelly Duray. Are you? Yes. Highly suggest her in this deep yeah. dive if she does it again. And the line in the book is who who you would be, who would you be if you were in a room with everybody you knew? Which mm. Donna? Because I used to call my office self Donna Light. And I used to think that was so funny. And I realized that's what it really was. I, I didn't feel safe to show my true self to these people. They wouldn't accept that wow. in a corporate environment. That's not acceptable. And I felt more, I'm more of like your bar, your rig pig people, you know, those are, mm-hmm. and that's the people, you know, those are my dad's people. Okay. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting really knowing that I can be accepted for just who I am. Yeah. And I'm safe to put it out there. And if you don't like it, wow, those people have just naturally fall, fallen off and mm-hmm. not sure if I really noticed right away. No. And the, it's because you're and not you kind of think, seeking oh, validation. I lost a follower. Yeah. <laughs> In real life, too. Thanks cool. for letting yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it And it's... And that would have like crushed me before overthinking what, 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 you know. Because the validation, I, it's all we're seeking is for our external to validate the internal. I can be loved. Please tell me I can mm. be loved. Please love me instead of I love me. And your opinion of me doesn't change the fact that I'm valid. I am valid. Mm-hmm. I'm safe. And that paradigm shift is the biggest one. Moving mm-hmm. to loving yourself than looking for love. You know, yeah. it's, ah, oh, you hear it all the time. How can you love somebody else if you don't love yourself? It sounds so easy. I know I was frustrated with it too. Like uh, my mom would be like, Melanie, you just have to love yourself. And I'm like, God damn it, I do. And you don't know you don't until you do. And then it's yes. like a light bulb goes off and you're like, okay, I don't hear what other people are thinking of me rolling around in my brain all the time. I don't care. <laughs> it's such like a peaceful feeling. I, I think the moment you step into, and there are still times in certain situations where I go back heavy into my old wounding. There's certain people, you know, that I haven't been exposed to enough to break through that limiting mm. belief, but I'm conscious of it when it's happening. And I'm compassionate to myself when it's happening where before I'd leave and I'd be like, why would you act like that? Or why would you let that person take up that much space when you, you know, we like you, you, you're yes. deserve, deserving of it. Yo, but, I should have said this when you get yeah. in the car. Oh, I should have said I, this, this, and this. Damn it. Yeah. I feel like they didn't really see me for who I am. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you shrunk. Like you 100% shrunk, Melanie. And that's something that I'm always conscious about, about doing, um, which through the practice has been able, um, I was thinking about how I have been able to do so many things over the last few years that I never thought possible before. And it truly is the benefit of the practice of being able to, uh, instead of seeing barriers, seeing alternates. Or, or finding ways around barriers before I would focus on why I can't. And now it's mm. like why I can. It's such a massive mental shift in perception. Once you realize the lens that you look through life at. Oh gosh, you're the shift. So I, I don't know why, but I going back 
to the journaling yeah. and how I used to think. So I, I haven't been on Instagram very long, but I did kind of start when I started doing things. So five years ago, literally was my first yoga classes. Yeah. Five, five years ago, like this week. Wow. So I did something with my daughter. We went and did aerial yoga this as per Instagram, 247 weeks ago. And my friend said, look at you being so awesome all the time. You're my hero. Because she also has psoriatic arthritis. And we both struggled so much. And I said to her, I have to strike while the iron's hot. I feel good right now. So I have to live all the life I can. Mm. And that is how I felt every day. Like, when is the bottom going to drop out? Yeah. When is this can't last? I can't sustain this. My life is pain. My life is being in that same little box. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing this, oh my God, I just want to almost shake myself and be yeah. like, it's so five years later, the iron's still hot. Um, <laughs> still it's cooled off. I've turned it off. I've turned it down. I've put it away. It's come back, you know, like lots of things have happened of course, to all of us. Yeah. But just reading that, it really made me think how now I just, I'm not limited anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, what the Sankalpa, Nidra has opened up for me is just the option to not be limited. Right. You don't have to go out and do all these things. I just know that it's, it is available to me. And I used to think people like me. Everybody's like me. Maybe they didn't have the exact trauma, but they had something. They're carrying something as the worst thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so just, uh, I've really tried to pull the focus off myself in the last six months because it's been a lot of focus on myself and not selfish, needed growth, healing. But um, yeah, it's hard to say it, but it's, it's true. Sometimes death in your life opens up some things. Yeah. Maybe the death of ideas, but you know, sometimes the death of important people in your life. So yeah, yeah when once, cause I want to make sure everybody knows both of my parents are, are um, the villain and the hero in my story. Yeah. At, as at no are. <laughs> at no given time is it anything, anybody's fault at this point. You know, we I've moved to a place Yes, it's become easier to put these things to paper once, you know, people pass away. But my mother is so alive. Mm. She lives in the same town as me. We're very close. And I finally had the courage to share with her. Well, because I forgive her, I, I, I can now look back and see a little bit, not exactly, because I, I just don't have her lens, but to at least see her desperation, her pain, Mm-hmm. how my dad was as a spouse, not as how I saw him as a father. And, and you know, seeing your parents just as parents is, you know, limits you to really know who they are and to give them grace and to give yeah. them, you don't have to forgive them. You don't have to forget. You don't have to even forgive a hundred percent, but giving a little and not being so hard. The Scorpion, Scorpio and me was always black or white and there was no in between. Yeah. Living in this gray area sounds sad, but that really is the light for me. Really in living in the maybes and the maybe I was wrong this time. Maybe this person was right. Maybe this person was, you know, that 
accepting that it can be, it can be safe to be wrong. It really is. And it's dramatic, but I use my sand kelp at the beginning of everything. Can I do this? Yeah, you are safe to mm. take that next step. I am safe to whatever. Even in my journaling, the, the, I think one of them was just, I am safe over and over to deserve love. I am, I am safe to ask for things. And I think it was that week or that day I was feeling really doubtful. And I reached out to you to tell you how important you are to me and how much that Gosh, when I say it to my classes, it sounds so dramatic. Join me for Nidra, you know, it, it only changed my life, <laughs> you know, but that's why I like to say, or you might fall asleep or you might, you know, somewhere in between, you get what you need out of Nidra. And I just didn't know that I needed all that, you know? So when I thanked you for that, I mean, I, even my hand was shaking. Oh my gosh, she's one of my idols. She's such a mentor. She's so well-respected, just all of the things like, oh, she doesn't want to hear this shit. She doesn't want to hear, you know, just fangirl over her. So I sent it to you and I was thinking, oh God, you know, I'm embarrassed. I should unsend it. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. You know, our self-talk is so insane. And then a moment later, you read it and asked me to be on this podcast. I was a puddle. I'm like, she thinks that I'm worth having on her podcast I mean, and I, I mean, I grew 10 inches that day. I don't know how to explain it, but my heart puffed up and then it just kept coming. Somebody else told me that a group of well-respected teachers were recommending me to them. And I, what? And that your nature is amazing. And what? People like me, you know, the old Sally feel people like me. No, no, I'm so, no, I'm not a bitch. That was just. That was that thing. Oh, yeah, I'm not that anymore. Well, people do like me. But it was such a mechanism. Like, well, people don't because I'm a bitch and I'm fine with it. Mm. You know? Such such a protective layer to keep safe from love. Like, love (sighs) is safe. I won't let it in. Uh, You deserve all the kudos, Donna. I am so uh, grateful for you being here. And I'm so incredibly glad that you reached out to me because... I had been wanting to ask you for a long time because I see like how much you've grown and how badass you are since that training and our first meeting in person. And I was like, I have to have Donna's voice on here because like there are, it's just important to hear people who have real stories speaking about it. And I know I keep saying it changed my life. It's life changing, but I'm like, uh, another person will validate this for me. So thank you so much for, um, sharing your experience with Yoga Nidra and honestly being brave enough, despite like me saying, Hey, this isn't for, you know, the, the faint of heart, you were brave and you showed great vulnerability inside our group. Our group became so close that I, it was, um, that was my first in-person training with Yoga Nidra. And uh, it was just, it changed me as well. So um, thank you so much for- uh, Thank you. Our, is there anything you're doing right now that you want to share? How can people find you? Um, if you if you have any programs you want to promote? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing all sorts of stuff. Obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm sharing Yoga Nidra here in High River. 
So awesome. Brenda Walsh is reopening her beautiful space at Westridge Laser, reopening the yoga and wellness space there. And it's such a delight there. No windows, no mirrors, very intimate. Mm-hmm. So Nidra there. I've been teaching some gentle yoga there. There'll be lots of amazing teachers. And I'm still teaching at High River Fitness three nights a week and private classes, um, private sessions, if anybody likes. I do always want to mention, though, if anything I said or that you said triggered anyone today and they need help, I'll just make that little step to ask, even if it's to ask yourself to look within where you need the help. You know, sometimes just that little quiet whisper of asking for help. Once I started to ask for help and I never did before, I couldn't stop asking for help. And then it became the karma circle where people are asking me for help now. So I mean, for somebody who didn't even want to be a teacher when she started yoga teacher training, I'm, I mean, it's just such a joy and it's become, yeah, it's really become the biggest part of my life. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I think that that is how so many teachers end up teachers is they're like, I just really want to learn more about yoga. And then I went in, I wanted to become a teacher. I feel like I'm one in a million, but most people just go in as a self-study and then it's like, this is too important. I can't not share it. Yeah. Okay. Any, do you, have you ever offered any registered series for uh, Yoga Nidra? I haven't yet. As a matter of fact, most of the time last year, just kind of getting into it, I was offering most of my Nidras for free at first, trying to really, you know, just get a feel for it, you know, really Mm -hmm. learning how to hold space for that many people because I was just learning how to hold space for myself, to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my Nidra practice was very private to me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of felt like that with yoga a little bit the first two, I wanted to keep it to myself. And this is all, you know, this is mine, mine. And then yeah. once you start sharing, then you realize that's, that's the gift, you know, that's, and that's how it made me really grow was to share. It's so funny too, because the way we teach is the way we practice. I, I, I see that in myself. I'm like, everything I teach I'm going through as in my body and the wording that I'm using and the feelings that I'm giving is like, that's what makes it authentic intimate thing. Yeah, it is. But that's what makes people drawn to you. It's not BS. You can see that it's, you, you know, you, you can tell when someone's authentic. I mean, I kind of can, maybe it's just because I'm old, you know, you can tell BS a mile away, but, um, you just feel that. Now I'm learning more about energies. I'm realizing, yeah. you know, it's that like, and who I'm drawn to and who I need to go home and take a shower after. Yeah. <laughs> Water is so cleansing. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I'll let us get off here. Thank you so much for joining oh, me. Thank you. Check so out. what is your Instagram handle again? Just so that like, Donna Lee you. yoga. I've got the creative Donna. So it's at D-A-W-N-A-L-E-E-Y-O-G-A. Yeah. Donna Lee Yoga. And And on your Instagram, you link everything to your Instagram. I do try to link everything. If I forget, just call me out and I'll link it. (laughs) It's so easy. Or I'll find a teenager to help me with my tech or, you know, something like that. They come in handy, those guys. Thank you so much, Donna, for being part of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with the Spiritual Boss Podcast, you can email us. Um, I think it's spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com, but it should be anywhere in our bio as well. And uh, yeah, peace in.
Peace out.